This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated. A no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. Our busy Monday here today on Halftime at the very start of the month in which college football finally gets going again. Hogs will be practicing officially later on this week. Today here was 33 days uh, before... Arkansas kicks off against Cincinnati. Uh, yes. Network announcer said it just before the Open started. That um, is correct. 33 days. But we only have three days until actual football. We get NFL preseason this week. Hall of Fame game in Canton. This uh, Thursday. I know. I mean, Come it on. is football. Look, I would say it's tackle football. They're going to be wearing helmets, pads, all the things that go along with it. I don't even know the teams that are playing in the Hall of Fame game this year. I think it's the Jaguars <laughs> versus... I don't know. Give me two seconds. You can't be excited about something if you don't know both combatants. Jags versus the Raiders. Nah, it took too long. You're the not Raiders. about the Hall of Fame game. Come on, Drew. You're lying through your teeth here. <laughs> it is football, though. I'll it say is that. football. I'll take it. Yeah. If they're wearing pads, they're wearing helmets, and they're taking uh, members of the other team to the ground, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's real football. And they're keeping so score. So it doesn't count, but Ray, it is score. You know, counting people's hearts and minds. Well, and, and, you know, big news coming out earlier with, uh, is, it, is it officially, has the NFL actually made the announcement, or is this still, you know, something that Schefter got word of first uh, with the six-game suspension for uh, Deshaun Watson, which feels low. Mm-hmm. Uh, feels, feels like... Uh, <laughs> Feels like it feels like it could have been something that was quite a bit longer than that. I thought maybe you'd be looking at something close to half a season. I know 17 games can't do fully half a season. <laughs> Six feels quite low, uh, but we'll uh, we'll that, that's stuff to get into as well. And by the way, before you point out that he sat out all the last year, that was not like was a self-imposed suspension. suspension or anything. That was I don't want to play here anymore, so you're not playing me. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what that was. So you can't take these. He didn't want to play. Together. The Texans really didn't want him to play with everything going on around him. It wasn't a suspension. It wasn't loss yeah. of any financial gain or anything. It wasn't like any kind that. of like a self-imposed bowl ban, like Tennessee no. trying to get out ahead of the NCAA with this investigation that's come out. Uh, and of course, uh, the uh, the passing of. One, one of the true legends of American sport in, in Bill Russell. So a lot, a lot to get to, but we've got to start the show with uh, something that I think a lot of our listeners have been waiting to hear for a long time. Been on halftime here for, it's been almost four years uh, since halftime started, which would have been September of 2018. Yeah, right when Chad Morris began coaching at Arkansas. <laughs> Glad that our show has lasted longer than his tenure at Arkansas has. Um, of course, we started from noon to two. Uh, we moved it to eleven to one, and those listeners who've been begging, begging for an extra sixty minutes of entertainment and excitement and information and insight. Yeah. Well, you can have it now because next week halftime's going to three hours. So start the celebration. The balloons are flying in the air. There's confetti going everywhere. The birds are chirping. Mr. Bluebird is on your shoulder right now. And yes, halftime will be 
moving to a third hour starting Monday next week. Yes. So that means we can just sort of kick back and relax for this week, right? Back to 10 hours, and then next week we'll do 15. That's perfectly fine with me. I'm, You know, I'm fine with creating a whole week here of the golden hour, the greatest hour in all of Sparks Talk Radio. But this is exciting news, something I think that we're all uh, excited about, and hopefully everybody out there listening uh, is excited about because two hours does feel short sometimes. You know, three is kind of like that sweet spot when it comes to Sports Talk Radio. You get everything in. There's, you you have more time to play around, experiment with some other things. With two hours, it does feel like you got to go, 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 go. Here, now that we've got this extra hour, this extra more room, we can kind of relax and look around, smell the roses. For, for those of, of you, for those of you who have listened intently over these four years, and you know you're never quite sure what one of us or one of our uh, weekly guests might say, <laughs> well, you get an extra sixty minutes every day of that nervous energy. Mm-hmm. He's not quite sure if something that shouldn't be said is going to be said. Don't worry, we'll go to seven-second delay at some point with a third hour. That probably has to go together, too. The, the seven-second delay mm-hmm. with a third hour of halftime, including people that you, you can't quite trust um, all the time with, uh, with uh, the, the words you shouldn't say all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll learn. We'll learn. We'll get it. B.E. says it's the longest tease ever. Yeah, it was a four-year tease. Of, of talking about, you know, we've got enough to go three hours, mm-hmm. um, but we're not asked to go three hours yet, but we are. And you can tell there's a lot of changes that are going around at ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. Uh, heard uh, Chuck Barrett this morning co-hosting on uh, on the Morning Rush. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like, I mean, it's almost like you never really left Sports Talk Radio to begin with. Um, and we'll have Clay Henry on later today, but he'll also be joining us for a total of four hours each week uh, as, a, as a co-host a couple of times each week. And, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, when, when you're expanding your show from two to three, that's, that's, a, lot, that's, a, lot to, that's a lot to get at here. And there, it's good that it's coming at the time that football season starts so we can expand coverage of Arkansas football at the very same time. Oh, yeah, the timing is working out absolutely perfectly because if you can't do sports talk, if you can't do three hours of sports talk radio in August and September and through football season, then you're definitely in the wrong business. So this does give us a a great opportunity, like you said, to expand that coverage and and also for for us to adjust, us to get used to that third hour. I know I've done three-hour shows in the past. um, That's all I did, you know, back in uh, my my old station, and it's going to be great to get back to that now and uh also just like i said there's just so much stuff that's going to be happening over the next few months just with football season and in general that you need it you need that third hour because i know everybody nobody gets to see our rundown every day but we leave so much on the chopping block every single day that it's going to be nice to actually be able to not only get to everything, but really explore every topic that we want to. That's why, you know, we call the last hour of the week the golden hour. Just going off of what you just said there, how we leave so many topics on the chopping block, maybe the third hour of every show could be called the guillotine hour to get rid of everything on the <laughs> chopping block and make sure there's nothing to actually chop once we get to 2 I'm o'clock. good with that. It will be 11 until 2. That's what we've got going on. 11 until 2. Uh, will be your new halftime. And that's right about... And we don't have to change the name of the show either because it's still right in the middle of your day when you're you're planning and then eating and then digesting your lunch. 
Feels Unless good. you're me and you're eating at 9 a.m. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then you can call it dinner time once, yes. you, once you finish the show. So uh, that's exciting. 877-377-6963 to get with us. Any thoughts about that? The other thing that I was going to say uh, leading into this today is, ouch. Ah. This is, a, this is a painful day for me. More than, Not for you guys, I know. You guys are walking straight and everything. Um, I, did I brag a little bit Friday about going on a run in the morning? You did. I did, didn't I? You I did, and, I and you up. made sure to tell me that it was more than a power walk. So you, let, you uh, made sure to throw that in my face. So It was a four-mile four run. I probably should have kept it maybe to like a mile. When was the last time you ran? mile walk. It had been a few weeks. Because I'd, I'd, I'd run my foot into the bed folding laundry and really, you know, was like, ah, I don't think I should be running it all. So it was like six weeks. So Saturday morning, it's funny the things that end up injuring you. Uh, um, I'm, I'm in my living room in the morning, had just went to get coffee. You know that feeling when you go running and you haven't run for a while. Legs are sore, but it's a good sore. Mm. Woke up, lower back feels like, ooh. Eh, but it's been like that before. Sit down, start reading some things, grab a cup of coffee. Five minutes later, because I drink the first cup so quickly, got up, went to go refill the coffee, sneeze down to the floor. Oh. Couldn't move. 20 minutes on the floor uh, in excruciating pain. Managed to pull myself up into the chair at some point that morning. And let's just put it this way. I can't stand up straight. And walking is painful at best. The good news is I had a doctor's appointment this morning uh, before the show started. <laughs> Got an x-ray, no disc injury. That's always good to hear. No spinal injury. When he had me go into the x-ray, Drew, I had a little tear form in my eye. I'm already starting to picture. Of course, it's the last resort thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, spinal surgery, disc surgery, never going to be the same. Can't wait for this to go down. Nope, it's just going to be rest <laughs> and stretching and muscle relaxers. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, I didn't take the muscle relaxer before the show today. I won't do that. You, you talked about it earlier about hosts that don't know exactly what's going to come out of their mouths. You, you yeah. throw in some medication like that. Uh, it's almost it's almost a full-blown guarantee that there's going to be a slip-up on this show. But I'm glad that you were able to get the uh, medication you you need and that it's not a worse injury. My, my father uh, has had spinal surgery um, before he actually had a tumor on the back of his neck. He really do, he's great now, but his, you definitely can tell he's lost some mobility, which uh, me and my brother took full... Um, folk um, advantage of to, to, to mess with him because he can only turn his head about a 45 degree angle mm -hmm. so you just get behind him and just like mess with him and he can't he can't reach behind him and, and get it get at him so yes me mean mean son thing to do but he, he is doing very well but it, it is a scary thing for sure well, I've had and I'm I've glad had, you're not having to go through it uh, the, I've gotten I've gotten a little help you know like you know drugs delivered mm -hmm. you know, their usual drugs you know, like ibuprofen Tylenol that sort of thing other muscle relaxers the kids have been great with me and and it was hilarious too like my son Gabriel uh, a couple of uh, two mornings ago, I wake up, I tr you know, I try to go stand up, couldn't stand, go right back to the floor. And and Gabriel, who's 10 and mm -hmm. weighs maybe 65 to 70 pounds, like, do you need me to carry you to the bathroom? <laughs> like, I think if I go down, buddy, you're going down with me. Yeah. I don't think that'll work. But it's a good thing I can sit here and actually speak and smile. This is the first smiling and laughing I've done in quite a bit, so appreciate you guys helping me out through this. And hopefully day by day, things get a little bit better. 
but you certainly won't find me bragging about any four-mile runs anytime soon. All right, we got a couple of callers on hold. Let's hit them and then get to the break. Robert in Fort Smith. Real quick, Robert. Good. Hey, you don't have to be real quick anymore, Robert. We're going to three hours next week. It can go long. How okay. are you? Not bad. The other day you guys brought up that Los Angeles angel pitcher. I can't say his name. Otani. Oh, yeah, Shohei Otani. The Dodgers are looking at him. If that, if that happens, I know I can't. I know it probably won't, but there's a shot we might. You know, and if they do, you know how powerful that my team will be. Yeah, I know. And, it, look, I mean, my point the other day was you. I want to see Otani in the postseason. I mean, this is the most exciting player in the game with respect to Aaron Judge. When you are as good as he is hitting and pitching, there's nobody more exciting in baseball than Shohei Otani. But also, the, the casual fan isn't watching now, and the casual fan isn't staying up until – Whatever time Angels games start in the regular season anyway out west, you need him to play in October. If the game is going to grow, if Major League Baseball is going to grow and become a more popular entity than it is right now, your best players have to play in October when the spotlight's on you. And, man, it's just not going to happen with the Angels. But I might get sick to my stomach if they trade into the Dodgers. I mean, it, I know you, but that's gonna be okay. But I'm just saying, I'm I'm hoping we do because Kershaw doesn't do that well in the postseason that, uh, for a long term. So, but we need another because after Scherzer, however you say his name, left, you know, we need another person like that. So, you guys have a good day. All right, Robert. Good Appreciate to hear the call, you. Robert. R- really good to hear from you. Yeah, and. Look, I, 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 I think the, the narrative of Kershaw stinking it up in the postseason is a little bit overdone. He's mm-hmm. not quite the same pitcher that he is in the regular season. In the postseason, he's had some rough moments. Dude went 2-0 and with a two thirty one in the World Series well, a couple of years ago. Here, here's the thing when it comes to Kershaw and, and a lot of pitchers who seem to have, quote-unquote, postseason um, struggles. Well... It's just highlighted more. I mean, right? That's when everybody's paying attention. And we're talking struggles by... And we're not talking like he goes out He goes out there and his fastball drops, you know, from, from 96 to 89 and people are just teeing off on him or he's lost control. I mean, he still goes out there and puts in good, good performances. He's had a that couple. just might not be great. Like he's had a couple of games. He's had some like bad ones, but, around, still, but everybody hasn't. else has two. That's exactly. right. I mean... Uh, you're not always, nobody's going to always just be Andy Pettit, which, by the way, Pettit got knocked around in the postseason a couple times as well. J.W. in London on hold here. Hey, J.Dub, how are you on this Monday? I'm good. Hey, I love your new schedule because it fits into my schedule. That's what it's all uh, about, man. It's just been in for you, Are you familiar with something that I like to call the Italian lunch? <laughs> well, what I mean, the Italian I lunch is, is it farmers, fishermen, and those of us who occupy the warmer climes, particularly in the summer months, like to get up early, 4 or 5 o'clock, do some work outside, and about 11, we're ready to come and retire inside for a leisurely lunch, or as we say in the South, a dinner, and just kind of relax, kick back, assess the morning, uh, do this, that, and the other. And I just, I'm really looking forward to it. I really, and it will make it, even though being three hours may sound more intense, I think it'll be more relaxed and more uh, reflective on a lot of things. And with that, and I'll get off there because I know you got other things to do. 
I would like to give a shout out to one of the true giants in all sports who just passed, and that's Bill Russell. There was not anyone, I think, who who epitomizes what sports can do for everything, and uh, he will be missed. It's well said, JW. I agree with you in every every possible way. And you had me wondering, like on the Italian lunch there, like were you going meatball sandwich or was the spaghetti? And I, I have no a idea. Good exactly meatball right now. I understand where you're going with this too. The only thing is, is I wonder if you're going to have the Italian lunch. Like, isn't there a bottle of wine that's usually involved in that in Italy at lunchtime for everybody, the kids too? So uh, we can't do that on the air necessarily. But J Dub, you do you, and we'll just let you do that. Halftime brought to you by The Fence Man. Great jobs available right now at The Fence Man if you're a fence builder or you're building experience. They offer great pay, and The Fence Man has a $500 sign-on bonus ready for you when you start. Got to apply in person in Fort Smith. The address is 1213 North 32nd Street, and The Fence Man is an equal opportunity employer. Get with us on Halftime, 877-377-6963. We will be right back. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So often in the NBA, and we hear the conversation or the argument really about who is better, LeBron or Michael. Uh, you know, you, you'll throw the, the word, the idea that Wilt Chamberlain maybe was the best basketball player of all time, Kareem Abdul Jabbar mm-hmm. potentially. Some people even, you know, drop a Steph Curry right now, look at Kevin Durant, things like that. I wonder sometimes, like, does, is Bill Russell just overlooked because he wasn't a big scorer? Like, he finished in the top. 20 in points per game eight times in his career finished no higher than 15. Career average of 17 points a game? I mean, it was like a steady 16 to 18 to 19 point score per game. But, I mean, the guy did so many things on the court that I don't even think show up statistically. Mm -hmm. And, like, I didn't, I never watched Bill Russell play. But on on the highlights that you see so often about him, his blocked shots turned into points for his team. His block shots did not go out of bounds. He kept them in bounds. He would start that fast break, not just on the block shot, but actually on the on the outlet pass, sometimes finishing. Uh, he was a he was a line to line sort of player. I think he was way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. I think he was defense first, pass second, <laughs> sc- score third, and and that's the only reason why. When you got somebody that won eleven NBA championships, a couple as a player coach uh, is is. But but still is is sometimes passed over because he didn't have the gaudy point numbers of a Kareem or a mm. Wilt or a Michael Jordan. You know what he had, and everybody will point out to MJ about MJ over LeBron is the number of championships and that he never lost in the championship series. They never lost in the NBA Finals. Eleven, <laughs> eleven in thirteen years. That's more than six. So we're going to point out to championships, why is Bill Russell not mentioned amongst so many other people that who know, really, mm-hmm. too? Why is he not 
on the Mount Rushmore. He should be. Of, of NBA basketball. I think there's definitely an argument and a discussion to be had for Bill Russell to be on a Mount Rushmore or on a list or in a debate for greatest of all time. But I think one of the main things that is, it's not Bill Russell's fault. It's nothing he did on the court. The problem when it comes to Bill Russell and the argument of him being one of the best players of all time, I, I think it's statistics, like you said, and also the era, era in which he played. You go back to when Bill Russell was dominating the NBA, those 13 seasons. The NBA wasn't the entity that we know of it as today, as you know, possibly the second most popular sport in this country. The NBA... Heck, in some markets, could have been fourth or even fifth. I mean, you, you go back to even then. I mean, horse racing was still a huge thing in the late 50s and 60s when Bill Russell was playing. So the popularity of the National Basketball Association at the time, I think, has hurt his legacy because when Kareem and Magic and and, and then into Jordan, you know, the, during the 70s, late 70s and then into the 80s with, with Magic and then Jordan in the 90s. The NBA was really picking up steam. It was becoming, you know, a huge player in a lot of markets. It was becoming a very popular sport. It just hadn't hit that point yet when Bill Russell was playing. And I, I think if he had put those numbers up 10, 20, 30 years later, winning all those championships, even only averaging 17 points, and probably would average more because he's playing a different ball game. But still, Wilt is the one. I think he'd have a better argument. He, he and Chamberlain were, were, uh, were played at the, around the same mm-hmm. time. There's something more to it. it it's got, it's got to be the points per game. It has to be the scoring. Because if Wilt and he were, were contemporaries, but yet Chamberlain is viewed in a certain way because of the gaudy points, because of a 100-point mm-hmm. game. It, it's the po- it has to be the point scoring. Yeah, I mean, the, the NBA, I think the NBA actually took more of a lull uh, popularity-wise in the 70s than in the 60s mm-hmm. and then came back huge, you know, in the 80s because of, because of Bird and, and Magic and all of that. But, like, uh, Russell, Russell was, uh, was around. And keep in mind, like, in the 60s, like, Boston was a basketball and a hockey town. Mm-hmm. Like, you could get tickets to the Red Sox then. It's not like they weren't a baseball town. They were. You could get tickets to the Red Sox, though. Um, you know, the Patriots weren't even really, like, a big thing. They were an AFL franchise. They were the Boston Patriots. Like, the Celtics ended up running that town. He's got to be. He's got to be. Maybe at the top of the list of greatest athletes in Boston history. I, you, you'd have to argue me down off of that. Better than Bird, mm-hmm. uh, more so than Bobby Orr, Ted Williams, Dave, we talked about Ortiz last week. And we got Wade and Branch on hold, then we got to take the break. Hey, Wade, good to hear from you, man. What's going on? Hey, nice, nice to hear from you guys, too. How, how's uh, you and uh, Drew doing? Doing We're well. good. Doing Maddie's well. good, too. And, uh, yeah, to Monday, and the sun's out, and the birds are chirping. <laughs> hey, I, I want to thank you for paying a great tribute to Bill Russell because uh, – uh, I listened to the Greeny show uh, before you guys come on, and uh, you you took the words out of my mouth. You said about a Mount Rushmore, and he said the top three. I don't know who would be four, but he said uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Michael Jordan, and Bill Russell, no question. And I remember, and I'm going to give my age away a little bit, but I watched uh, – 
I watched him. I remember, barely remember Bob Cousy when he was playing uh, with Bill Russell in the, their last final game. And Bill Russell, he never lost a seventh game in a, in a playoff series and never lost a best out of five. And he won two national championships and he won a gold medal. And add them up. And he's never lost any of the deciding games. And it's just, it, it's just incredible that how great he was. He was, he was so great. And, and, and also from, from what you, what I, and I've saw, I saw an interview with him and Dick Cavett. I've read about Bill Russell too, that he was outspoken about his views on, on race, on racial issues, mm-hmm. on civil rights, on, on a lot yeah. of the things that, that other athletes might have kept a little bit quieter in the 60s and the 70s. But he also did it in a way where he was, I don't want to use the word respectful because that's not the right, right way to go about it. Just wasn't yeah. wasn't like, a, you know, a screaming sort of a guy. You know, I mean, he and Ali, he and Muhammad Ali were contemporaries and, and fought for many yeah. of the same things. Ali obviously viewed himself as a showman. I don't know if Russell ever did. He was much more reserved. Um, like a, a quieter speaker, uh, just a different sort of of, of what with the, what now we use the term culture warrior, which mm. I think he was then, but just in a different way. And in a, and it, and again, I don't want to use the term respectful. That's not the way. That's not the way. That, that's not the right term. And probably is an insulting term to use when you're trying to shake up the boat on the way people are viewing things. Anyway, uh, it's uh, he lived a great long life. Um, I mean, this this feels more like a celebration of life than it is mm-hmm. about like a tragedy of death because. Uh, and he, outside he, of the basketball and civil rights stuff, which are both great things, both both great contributors to his legacy, he's just a cool dude. I mean, he's a, he was a guy that you wanted to hang out with. I think everybody that that knew him loved him. Everybody that didn't know him wanted to know him. He he just seemed like such an awesome guy. Well, and I would have really loved to watch him play. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a short list of athletes that I really would have liked to watch play. Roberto Clemente is one. Ted Williams is one. Uh, and and I, I think I'd put Bill Russell on that list as well. Uh, all right, we got to step aside for a quick break here. Into college football with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Next, it's halftime. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith may look like a small store from the outside, but they have a huge warehouse for storage, so they buy volume deals and have competitive pricing on all the top brands like Tito's, Crown Royal, Fireball, Jim Beam, and more. They also feature wellness products like Martha Stewart brand CBD. Give them a call today at 479-452-7311 or stop by and see them at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Put a handle on this simple head of man Help me leave that black rose alone 
to the guys. Here's Phil Elson, Matty T, and Drew Barrett. Connor O'Gara joining us on the 1st of August. I mean, the way that I'm seeing the reaction on social media and from people, August 1st needs to be a holiday for essentially like the start of college football season in a sense. Connor, are you celebrating today? I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating because, yes, college football is back. My cousin's birthday is August 1st. I remember as a kid thinking that when her birthday came around, that was dangerously close to back to school time and i hated that but as an adult who no longer has to go to school no big deal i find myself very excited when august 1st comes around because it means that we get we get college football this month we don't get sec football this month we get big 10 football in ireland which is going to be fun but august 1st is a great day i don't know that it's quite holiday worthy but it's certainly one of the better non-football days of the year when are we going to get an SEC team going out to play somewhere internationally? Not, it doesn't have to be Ireland. I mean, you could, t- you could get uh, Alabama's. Alabama never worries about going on the road and playing somewhere that's a non, uh, that's a, not a home or road game as a neutral site. But they're kind of getting away from that right now. Wouldn't you like yeah. to see an SEC team play like in Europe? Well, Florida's going to Utah. That's practically a foreign country. <laughs> Has spent some right. time there this past month. So, um, you know, baby steps here. The SEC rarely leaves its footprint for a a true road game or anything like that. Uh, So I I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath on that. But at the same time, I think what's really interesting now is in the latter half of the decade, we're going to be getting away from all this neutral site stuff. We're we're still going to have some of these, but... Look at some of these future schedules for Alabama, Georgia, Florida, these teams that have really loaded up the Power Five non-conference home-and-home. College football fans, we we can talk about how much the the, the playoff and the expansion frustrates us. That is one of the positives of of an expanded playoff, which I now expect to happen since the Alliance is dead, is that these non-conference games are are going to be really, really good. I I mean, I I love the fact that we're going to get to see Alabama play a true road game in non-conference play for the first time that decade. I I would rather see these teams playing in actual college venues. No offense. I mean, there are some great neutral site games, but I just think that's better to be able to watch. I'm looking forward to watching a neutral site game in Ireland, but... I'd still rather have these games on college campuses. Yeah, it's because it's something new, and you want to see what the atmosphere is going to be like. I think we can all agree that the atmosphere on college campuses is better mm-hmm. than they are like in NFL stadiums for college games. You missed out on one team in the SEC that is also playing in Utah this year, Connor, and it's Arkansas. They're at BYU. Right. And it's amazing when you look. Like, So Arkansas has, depending on who you read, the toughest schedule in the nation. We're kind of used to it here. They wear it as a badge of honor. But they don't have a single non-conference game that is a Power 5 opponent. I mean, you get two that are going to be joining the Big 12, Cincinnati and BYU. Then there's Liberty, a really good independent program, and Missouri State, one of the better FCS programs. So it's, 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 it's funny to, to read, and I agree with you. I want to see more SEC versus other Power 5. Hogs have maybe the toughest schedule in the SEC, and yet they're not playing anybody out of the SEC that's Power 5. I'm old enough to remember when Chad Morris having a non-conference schedule that did not include a single Power 5 team was supposed to help him instead of hurt slash embarrass him. Uh, look, I, Sam Pittman, different story. Um, I think it will be, even though those are some tricky non-conference games. I'm pretty sure BYU leads the country 
and that great stat that Bill Connolly puts together every single year, percentage of returning production. So obviously, Hawk fans shouldn't be sleeping on that one. A trip to Provo is going to be a lot of fun. The views there are immaculate. But, yeah, it, 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 is that still a, a byproduct of that Michigan home-and-home home getting canceled? Am I, am I correct in assuming that? Oh, man, I think that it might have had something to do with it. Uh, that was uh, Colorado State was to cover up Michigan, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if the BYU home-and-home home had, had it to do with both of those games or just one of those games. I'd have to read back on that. Yeah, it's crazy how that's turned out, though, because I, I think you would look at that non-conference schedule and see a Cincinnati team that has a ton of production to return, but still, a Cincinnati team that was just in a college football playoff that's coached by Luke Fickle is still a really good football team. And I, I think that you would look at all those different elements and say, yeah, Arkansas has a really loaded schedule this year. And I, I think that's kind of why some of the the preseason optimism with them has been um, – I think it's been a little bit dialed down from what I initially expected. And when you actually start you know, mapping out how some of these games are going to go, we do our crystal ball series every single year with Saturday Down South. That'll be starting, I think, August 15th. i got to check with my editor to make sure what i got to have those things ready to go. But when you actually have to pick every single SEC game and you realize, oh, man, 7-5 and five is a lot more realistic for some than – the nine and three. I think Arkansas is closer to the nine and three side because I think their defense is really going to keep them in in a lot of these games. I think would have been more of a struggle last year, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it is always it always it is always kind of fun to think we have a certain idea of what these non conference schedules look like at this time of year, and we really don't know. No, we don't. But it's always fun to predict and to and and, and to give our best educated guests on it. And you know, I'm sitting here looking at Saturday down south and. He dropped the best case scenarios for each team for literally right before, uh, at least from what it says on my computer, right before you joined us. Uh, Connor, and you've got the best case scenario for Arkansas at, at 10 and 2, which I don't think anybody would be upset about. I mean, and you, you even say that'd be a loss to Alabama and then at least one at BYU versus A&M or at Mississippi State. If it's two state, though, I feel like that would be the one out of those three that would be the most disappointing, though, right? Probably, um, just because that would be seen as like, oh, hey, you know, our stuff on a way to win that game last year. Uh, those games have been really competitive, though, in recent memory. And it, it, they, it does always come down to a play here or there. And you could argue that a certain pass interference call on you know, Traylon Burks got to go in his favor and might have dictated the results of that game. I, some would say that. I'm not one of those, but I understand what airways I'm on. Um, I think that is kind of best-case scenario for an Arkansas team that is looking to make that next step. 10-2 is that next step. If you get through the SEC West and that non-conference schedule going 10-2 and and going to a New Year's Six Bowl, having what would be best season in Arkansas since 2011, that is a huge positive. And, and I, I don't necessarily think that all bowl games are created equal, as Sam Pittman reminded us. You know, sometimes you can you can have rings for bowl victories, and and that is perfectly okay. You can do it just because you want to do it. I think if Arkansas is standing in that position at season's end, double digit wins, feeling like it was positive overall, improve the brand of Arkansas football, maybe host the college game day uh, game. I mean, is is that is that something that would include be included in the best case scenario? Probably. I think if all those things happened. And it felt like this program took another step forward. Uh, Arkansas fans would be feeling really good, and they'd be feeling really good about that contract that Sam Pittman just signed. Oh, for sure. Now, I was also looking at um, 
your QB1 predictions from around the SEC. One that kind of jumps out at me a little bit because I've seen it so 50-50 is that you, you picked Altmaier uh, over Dart at Ole Miss. Why, why'd you give him the edge? I've done a 180 on this, and I was one of those people that assumed Luke Altmaier had no chance of starting for Lane Kiffin whatsoever. And the more I thought about it, and you, you look at some of the basic factors at play here, the more you kind of realize, wait a minute, wait, why am I assuming that Jackson Dart is just automatically the guy? Am I assuming that because he's this highly coveted transfer who comes in from USC? Or am I also factoring in Luke Altmaier performing in relief in the Sugar Bowl against a Dave Aranda coach defense? Because if it's the latter, that's really dumb. And I think I discounted Luke Altmaier too much in the offseason early on, especially when the Jackson Dart news came out that Lane Kiffin was going to be adding him. And some would say, well, you know, if, if Jackson Dart's not going to be the guy, then why is Lane Kiffin add him? They had to get a quarterback no matter what. They lost Matt Corral to the NFL draft. John Rice Plumley was off to UCF. They didn't sign a quarterback in this most recent class as well. Their quarterback numbers were low. They were going to sign a quarterback from the transfer portal, even if Luke Altmaier came in, lit up Dave Aranda's defense in the Sugar Bowl. That didn't happen. He had a good third quarter. But then you kind of watch the, you kind of listen to the way things have played out in the spring, the year advantage that he has in the system, which I think matters. Too many people think it's easy to be a Lane Kiffin quarterback, even though it's not. And I think seeing Jackson Dart kind of struggle in the spring game, you're reminded that this is this is a true battle. And so I went on a little bit of a limb and said that Luke Altmaier is going to be the guy. Lane Kiffin doesn't have to worry about Jackson Dart transferring because he used up his one-time exemption. So, yeah, that's kind of why I headed in that direction. I think experience is going to win out for somebody who has been considered a film junkie and somebody who has more experience in that offense. Mm. So we feel like uh, the defensive line uh, position battle is a really intriguing one and very important for Arkansas this year. Uh, if you can give me one non-quarterback SEC position battle that intrigues you, what would it be? How about receiver at Alabama? Is that is that too boring of a thing to say? Receiver Never. at Alabama and tight end at Georgia, who earns those snaps, who earns those significant looks is going to be fascinating. Now, obviously, you would expect Brock Bowers, tight end at Georgia, to dominate, but the, the ability to work in other tight ends and how much, how many snaps Eric Gilbert's going to get over Darnell Washington, the true freshman Oscar Delp, they have four tight ends that would probably be considered the better, you know, one of the better tight ends in the SEC if they all got the start. But I, I think that that battle behind Brock Bowers is going to be really interesting. And then at Alabama, we saw it, you know, James Williams last year just became a revelation for that team. And you saw what happened when Bryce Young had that trust in him, even though they didn't even get a spring together. So my question moving forward is who steps into that lead role at Alabama? Do they become the next great Alabama receiver? Is it the transfer from Louisville, Tyler, uh, Tyler Harrell, who averaged like 28 yards a catch last year? Is it Jermaine Burton, the transfer from Georgia? Is it somebody who's been around at JoJo Earl? Are we going to see some of these guys step up and be those game changers that Alabama is just so used to having. I wouldn't necessarily say that any of them are locked into that role to be the next James Williams, but at the same time, I think there's just so much value in that. That's what we're probably going to be talking about a lot nationally. Connor, appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on as always. Till next week. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it, Connor. Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at CJ O'Gara. A lot of position battles to try to get a look at as we go throughout this month of August. And at Arkansas, yeah, we've got a few that we've pointed out. 
there's some other ones to look at as well, and we'll try to spend some of that, uh, some uh, time on that over the month. Because this is uh, what the month of August is supposed to be about. Hey, want to remind you that uh, later on this month, Joe's Grilling Canteen will be reopening on Mondays. They've been closed Mondays throughout most of the summer. But once it's football season time, you guarantee they're going to be back open again. Don't forget about Joe's Curbside Family Packs. Feeds up to five people. Choose either fajita bar, taco bar, enchiladas, grilled chicken breast. Anywhere from $40 to $45. Get your sides with it. Joe'sFortSmith.com or download the Waiter app. Halftime's right back. Why do people do business with First Western? Because First Western builds relationships with all of their customers. They partner for the long haul to help you with your financial goals over all seasons of life. First Western is prompt, responsive, and they deliver with quick answers and on-time loan closings. When is the last time your banker called you? You are looking for a high level of service and a financial partner who will listen and respond. Try First Western. For more information, visit them online at firstwestern.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. I don't remember if we got into this much on, on Friday, but I heard you guys talking about it on the morning rush with the fall weddings, and I know you got a, you got a couple that you I have three. I know uh, Ty was. So you're going to have to be watching games on on replay. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you're not going to any Jewish weddings because those are Sundays, as I can attest to myself. Uh, that's the one that will piss off the NFL fans. Yeah, you, nobody worries about fall weddings for NFL fans too much, unless you're Jewish, and then you're going to have to maybe miss a game, like I did once a Steelers-Packers game, but I did catch my friends. Uh, this would have been 2005, so you couldn't watch the game yeah. on your phone. They were checking scores, though, that's for sure. And they were shouting out score updates while the thing was going on anyway. That's uh, just good. That, that's just called good friends. Why does nobody admonish parents whose children are born Saturdays uh-huh. during football season. Well, as a fall birthday uh, person myself, it doesn't take up the same amount as time. No, I don't mean the birthday. I mean the actual birth. You know when people have to visit? Mm-hmm. You know when they have to like forget about whatever it is they're doing and go visit? Well, you you, you can wait and do that on like a Wednesday. Say the kid's mm-hmm. born on Saturday. You can go, like, oh, congratulations, you know. You send flowers, do something like that, send a card, but you don't actually have to go to the hospital. I mean, if it's just your friends. Now, if it's, if it's your brother, you know, or, or sister having their first child, it's probably a good idea to be there. Probably can't say, hey, congratulations, but kickoff's in an hour. I don't know what you want me to do about it. You, you might want to actually show up, but for, for most people, when it comes to just friends and, and other relatives, you can always go a couple days after. And, and a extra, lot of people want want that, that first two days or so by themselves. Is there extra pressure on couples that get married during college football season to stay together and not get divorced mm-hmm. when things go south? Because at that point, people are like, well, I wasted all the I wasted mm-hmm. a football Saturday for a relationship that didn't even stick. Yes. There's more pressure I think on there, these couples, there has isn't been there? More, more pressure because people did... You know, and especially if it was a if it was a big game for for their team, they're going to be reminded every single year or every single time they see the highlights of the game that they missed that they were at Bill Bill and Charlene's wedding, and Charlene couldn't make it three years with with Bill's stinky feet or some something stupid like that. Now, come on, it's okay to have a wedding scheduled when your team is playing an FCS opponent. Maybe not this year mm. with. With Bobby Petrino bringing Missouri State in, because that seems like it's going to be just avoid the fall in, watching. in general. I'm not even paying attention to the game. I just want to see Petrino mm-hmm. throughout that day. 
Yeah, FCS wed- FCS Saturday weddings for your FBS teams. I think that's okay. We'll see about that. Second hour of halftime right after this. Bushlight Apple is back in season at Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith. Eastside Liquor also has Crown Royal Peach Tea, Whiskey Cola, and Apple Cocktails. Come find your new favorite at Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith, 9390 Rogers Avenue. Now, back to the podcast. And into the second hour of halftime on a glorious Monday across the natural state. And Phil Elson still having some trouble standing up straight. I think that'll be the case for a while. Uh, Maddie T, you're able to stand up straight and walk okay, right? Um, well, during the break, I was just discussing with Drew uh, the uh, pain in my right knee that's okay. unexplainable. I mm-hmm. think, though, honestly, Phil, I think it's old age. I think I'm having just old age, unexplainable pains. Well, it makes me feel a little better about what I got going on with this lower back thing if everybody is dealing uh, with some injuries, I, too. How I, are, Drew, seen, what's your injury? I've seen Phil's face on the screen. It, <laughs> Phil, you look like you're in much worse pain than I am. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't really call what I've got going on an injury. It's more I, like a growth. It's it's a. have got this weird bump that's been growing on top of my left knee. It showed up as like a little bitty, like almost like a mosquito bite bump about a week and a half ago. And, and now I'd say it's close to about half a golf ball. Does it hurt? It doesn't hurt. I just I don't, don't know what it is. It, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't matter. It's all about pain. But it's weird. But you can, you I've can, never had something grow on me. Well, now it's fun though. It's like it's like you have a golf ball under what your skin. It? You can sit there and move it around and you know. Give, I mean, I give something to do. It just looks weird. I mean, Fruit. I tell Maddie I want my annual checkup next week, but it is making me a little worried because uh, a friend of mine's girlfriend. This weekend was in town, and of course, when and she's a doctor, and of course, when you're around doctors, you want free medical advice. And I showed it to her, and she's like, "It's probably nothing." I was like, "Probably." And she's like, "Well, it's probably nothing, but you should get it checked out. It could be something." And I'm like, "Oh, he shouldn't have told me that." Look, look now, now I'm now I'm writing my last will and testament right when, now. When you're going to get involved in the conversation with old people like me and Maddie, or 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 Chuck or Tommy or Clay. Or anybody else that's basically not Ty or you it's on, weird, this, on this radio station. It's about comparing ailments and pain. It's not about what is this growth on me. It's 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 about is your fever higher than mine? Are you dealing with more pain than me? And the only answer I hear to that question coming from you is no. Well, do you have a golf balls growing out out of your leg? I might. Maybe it's that's just the weird. situation. It I got freaks going me on. out. If he does, he can't even worry about it right now because his back pain's so bad. That's that true. The golf right. ball growing on his neck is—he'll worry about that later. <laughs> well, as the as the week progresses, I think uh, things will get a little bit better on my end. I don't know about your golf ball situation though, or your or your right knee, Maddie. But I'm at least glad. I don't mean it this way, but I'm at least glad that you're in pain so I have somebody to commiserate with. Also, my right eye has been twitching for a week and it won't right, stop. Well, so that well. doesn't hurt though. It's just kind of disturbing. Good, but not really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what else is happening this week? Oh, the uh, Major League Baseball trading deadline. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock. 5 o'clock Central Time. 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, Juan Castillo, uh, pardon me, Luis Castillo got the, got the dealt from Cincinnati to the Mariners. That's the biggest name to get mm-hmm. traded so far. And still waiting on Juan Soto to get dealt. You know the thing that stands out when I, when I read some of the articles about this guy maybe being traded, that guy maybe being traded. The two quotes that stand out are from uh, Wilson Contreras with the Cubs and Soto from the Nationals. They say, I just want this to be over with. Mm -hmm. What a miserable situation to deal with. And let's take away the idea of all the money that the guys are making and that they're being paid to play a game. When you don't know where you are about to call home, (laughs) 
Like that is not the best situation to be in. And when it lasts for weeks, like yes. this thing with Soto has lasted weeks. And, and the fact that he's still, like whomever it is that, that, that signs him, I don't think he's a free agent for at least, for at least another two years. Two years. So the, the thought, you may end up going through this again if you can't sign him to the mega deal that he expects. If he already turned down 13 years, what was the number? 42, 44 million or something? Uh, yeah, I think it was, how much was it? Three yeah. million something? You're going to go, go through it again next year. So, and I know for as far as Soto's concerned, it looks like it's National League, either St. Louis. If it's St. Louis, like they're going to give up every one of their best, mm-hmm. every one of their best prospects, which maybe the, you have to right now with one, with the last season of Pujols, maybe the last year, I think the last year for Molina. But the pitching, Phil, I the know, pitching there. I know. It's and, such and whatever, a big, important part of the game, and they don't well, have it. If you can't stop him from scoring, you got to score more I, than that. I right? guess. <laughs> I yeah. guess we can go, you know, Big 12. Uh, football mentality of who cares about stopping anybody from scoring? We just, if they score 63, we just got to score 72. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess you can have that same mentality when it comes to baseball and especially with the launch angles and the high scoring run games that we have nowadays, anyways. I mean, so what if they score 11? We'll just score 12. I mean, that's, that's one way to win. Like, I know Andre Pallante threw, what was it, eight scoreless yesterday mm-hmm. uh, and an outstanding performance. You just can't count on this right now. You can't count on a rookie to take you near the finish line, you know, when, when really your starting rotation right now is down to Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis. I do remember, though, there was an instance. I, I was reminded about this because it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago that Tim Wakefield made his major league debut. It was late last week or it was Saturday mm-hmm. and he was a rookie, 92, came up from uh, from AAA to Pittsburgh and was basically like the missing piece of a starting rotation that included veterans like uh, Zane Smith and and Randy Tomlin and Doug Drabeck and Bob Walk and the missing piece was Tim Wakefield. But they had four starting pitchers they could count on up until then. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals don't have that no. right now. They have two. They have two. So one rookie is not gonna is not gonna be the difference. At least I wouldn't expect. They need a pitcher or two. But Juan Soto is a generational talent. Like this is the kind of thing. If you're trading for Soto, you're trading to sign him for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if the Cardinals necessarily like have that money and then build around him. Like they're not a small market team, but they're not a coastal team. They're not the Mets. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Dodgers. I don't even think they're spending money the way the Padres are spending money right now. Padres, uh, Padres are printing it and spending it as, as much as they spend over the last few years. And you're right. Juan Soto is a generational type of talent guy. I mean, he's only 23 years old. I mean, that is still... And to be a budding superstar in Major League Baseball at that young of an age with so much time ahead of him, he stays healthy. I mean, we could be talking about... You know, Juan Soto playing for another 15 to 17 to, heck, possibly even 20. I mean, Albert Pulse is, is 42 right now. We could be talking about Juan Soto right now for the next couple of decades. And if you can get a player like that, you should, but you have to be upfront and honest that you're you're playing the long game with Juan Soto. You pick up Juan Soto here and you say that we're going to sign him to, uh, you know, a 10-year contract deal. You've got to tell everybody that we're playing the long game. You can't keep being in this no-man zone that the Cardinals have been in of, well, we think we're good enough to compete now, but in reality, we're not, so we're not actually going to do a rebuild. They've never actually, they've never had to do one. 
But if you waste, and I, I'm not going to say waste, that's the wrong word to use. If you spend as much as you're going to have to, to lock down a guy like Juan Soto over the next 10, 15 years, you're going to have to rebuild. And, and how, how much is he going to want to deal with all that? Because that's why he's leaving the Nationals. Yeah, I don't think he doesn't he want to be caught up in a rebuild. I think he looked around him and and, and realized all all the best players yeah. from his time there are gone. He's going to wait another be a five years to build around him at the earliest in Washington. That's exactly right. So, so what's be the difference when St. Louis? I agree. I agree. And for St. Louis, it's they're not just one trade away. You know, again, it's about getting into the tournament. You know, if you're one of the seven teams in either league, you got a shot. Mm. We've seen this before. Soto could get hot along with Goldschmidt and Arenado, and maybe Paul DeYoung is really back after 51 games at AAA and 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 hit a homer or two yesterday. So I mean, I don't know. I you got to get into the tournament, but mm-hmm. it does feel like St. Louis is more than just a generational talent of a hitter away from real contention. And and I don't believe that they're like you were talking about, you know, a, a rookie guy out there because let's face it, they've had been facing these pitching troubles for a long time now. This isn't just something very recently. If they had that guy, if they had that ace in the hole, if they had that guy down in Memphis or even in Spring in Springfield, they would have utilized him. They would have used him by now. Alex we didn't Reyes see them. Been out all year. Jack Flaherty's been yeah. out all year. You know, Hudson's been up and down as far as injuries. Concerned. If that ace was there, we would have seen him. They would have found him, or that kind of a little bit of a surprise. They hadn't traded for a starting pitcher yet, so you got another day or two to do so. And I imagine. It, it's. I don't know. The Cardinals make one deal. I think if they get Soto, they gotta find a way to get another pitcher. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what what like what, what assets you have left would be left after that because you're gonna have to get rid of Walker. You're gonna have to get rid of Mason Wynn and a couple of other guys too. Eddie's on hold here. Let's go to Eddie in Clarksville. Eddie, I heard you talking with another Clarksville product earlier this morning, Chuck Barrett. He said you are the most famous Clarksville native. What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't know about that, gentlemen, but certainly was a pleasure to meet Chuck a couple of years back. You know, I was, like I said this morning, I was invited by my human resource manager. He was dying for me to meet Chuck, and what a pleasure it was. As I got to sit at the table at a Chambers of Commerce meeting at the University of the Ozarks, I'm sorry, as I sat down and I had conversations with Chuck and had lunch with him and a good friend that he grew up with, Phil Taylor, who owns Phil Taylor Insurance in Clarksville, and they grew up together just on the backside of the U of O. And, man, what stories they were telling me. And one thing I found out, you know, Chuck grew up a big Hall fan, but it all started at Clarksville High School, his career. And, man, what stories he told me that afternoon. And very excited to meet him and also Mr. Taylor, who I keep, a close relationship with, and by the way, as I said this morning, his, his son, Phil, Phil, Philip Taylor III, a young man that goes to Clarksville High School, please say a prayer if you're listening today for that young man as he battles uh, stage four cancer. Fighter. And well, we will definitely. They're big. Man, this doesn't happen very often with Eddie. Usually if there's a problem with the cell phone connection, just the overall power of Eddie's voice usually <laughs> carries through. But it's obvious he's got a little cell phone issue there around Clarksville, which never happens, never happens. If you want to uh, replace Eddie there, who uh, went AWOL, 
6963. Eddie, you there, or do we have to take the break? Let's try one more time. Eddie, you there, or the cell phone tower's working? Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, we got you now. For a moment, I felt like I was in Michigan where the cell phone towers stink. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as I was telling you, I think, you know, that, you know, I listen to Chuck. He's back in the saddle, you know, just like you. You know, sir, you do a great job calling the baseball uh, program. Well, Chuck, no doubt, when he calls the football train, what a tremendous – you're going to be saying this, Chuck, a lot this season. Touchdown, Arkansas. Because right. the fan base, you know, they touch base. We got players with speed this season, and they touched on that this – and I'm very optimistic. 33 days, and it's going to take place against the Bearcats when we set the tone for the season. I can't wait. And for, before I hang up today, gentlemen, I'd like to dedicate to Miss Pittman and Coach Pittman this song Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks called Tusk. So listen to it this weekend. Let's get geared up. Fired up. I can hear that whistle blowing now. Thank you for taking my call, gentlemen. I know it. You know, sometimes, Eddie, when I'm talking to you, I feel, it, I feel like I'm the embodiment of a Christy McVie song from from Fleetwood Mac, Over My Head. 877-377-6963. That's a song you should listen to at some at some point, Drew. It's a, actually a lovely song. I'll have People to check forget out. about Christine McVie. She was almost as good as Stevie Nicks. Almost. Not quite the same voice, but nice and breathy. All right, halftime right back after this. It's all about confidence when it's time for sex. Am I right? Sometimes stress, anxiety, or just a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun and passion for both of you. But don't worry. BlueChew.com is here to save the day. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because BlueChew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a very discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. BlueChew tablets are made right here in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code believe at checkout just pay five dollars shipping that's bluechew.com promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your first month free oh we got a very special birthday to celebrate today and then a trivia question to go off the birthday here's a little hint as to what today's birthday celebration involves it would have been 42 years ago today you heard this on a television that might have been connected to a cable. Forty-two years ago today, 
MTV and its first broadcast. And it's a seminal moment, really, in music and television history. But look at what MTV has become. There's no music on it now. I was, no about to look. I was about to look on TVGuide.com just to see if, see if there's even, like, from 2 to 3 a.m. still play music videos. videos. 18 different episodes of ridiculousness every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, it's uh, Chanel West Coast giggling at stuff that isn't funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, but now, yeah. Now there's, like... If you want to watch music videos, you got to go to like MTV 80s or MTV yeah. Classic. There's like 14 other MTV Is there channels. still an MTV 2? There's still MTV 2. I remember it, when MTV 2 dropped. MTV that 2. That was like in the mid-2000s. That is believe. like reruns of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah. and shows like that. You know? Oh, I, my favorite, favorite MTV show of all time has to either be Room Raiders or Next. I love Next because they yeah, used to get off the bus so confident. It's like, I'm going to show her the best time of her life. My, All right. I would plan next. like the, the, oh, God, the moments where I got super excited about MTV in the, the real 80s world is when Weird Al took Al over. TV. And, and there'd, be, there'd be no Al, Al TV. TV without Weird I mean, without MTV. It'd be like a Friday night and then Al takes over mm-hmm. and it'd be all his parody versions of the songs. Man, that, I, had, I had VHS recordings of Al TV. Yeah. I mean, this was, a t- this was a cultural touchstone of the 80s. I mean, one of the great songs of the 80s uh, by Dire Straits involved, I Want My MTV. I mean, Sting sang about it for crying out loud. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was a major part of growing up in the 80s and a major part of being introduced to a lot of different music that you might not have heard p- before. You know, but this was also like the boom of cable television, mm-hmm. which is now sort of like dying a little bit. Uh, it's... It's about to die. I mean, a lot of it is. I mean, just I, I'm looking at TVGuide.com right now for MTV's listing. Over the next, I'm almost through 48 hours. Okay, over the next 36 hours, you can either watch 12 hours of Catfish or actually 20 hours of Ridiculousness. They have two shows I think these that are will the, be playing these for are, the next these, day and a half straight, and then they're going to throw in a new Teen Mom, Young and Pregnant. These at marathons eight o'clock central time tomorrow night, only for a Christmas story on Christmas Day on TBS. Yes, and now that's basically what MTV is. Oh. It's a dead channel. It must it make money cool. somehow. It used to be cool. Well, so there are three channels, really four, that that always stand out as far as. Uh, the invention of cable television, the explosion of cable television, and their influence on, on, on popular culture and modern culture, too, even now from 42 years ago. HBO is one of them. Mm-hmm. HBO is, is, I think, the original cable channel from in the early 70s to mid-70s. There was a little bit of like a cable system in Manhattan that played a lot of HBO. But the other three that stand out, and this is from, again, the birth of cable television. MTV is one ESPN is another, and CNN would be the third. If I'm forgetting, maybe Weather Channel might be t- tacked on there as well. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, do the tiniest little bit of Google research to find which is the oldest of these three networks. So let me ask you two guys: What do you think is the older network? Which broadcast first? Was it MTV? Was it ESPN? Or was it CNN? I know the answer. I'm 99 sure um, it's ESPN. C- CNN didn't come around till like late 80s. ESPN was like 1980. So I looked this up. So CNN, CNN's first broadcast was June 1st, 1980. 
Oh, oh. okay. CNN I think might it be was, the oldest. I don't I know. I think it was delayed because the satellite that CNN was originally supposed to be broadcast off of, which was launched by RCA, got lost. So, so they couldn't broadcast But they did lose it in the mail? Right. No, I think it got you lost lose a satellite? in space. You oh. know, space is the final frontier. Yeah, and it's there's a lot of, of it up there. Um, MTV, 42 years ago today, so you do the math, August 1st, 1980. ESPN's first telecast. I'm going to say 78. Sports Center, September 7th, 1979. Ooh. These three networks all had their first broadcast within a year of each other or close to a year of each other. They're still around, but ESPN is still just a huge moneymaker, mm-hmm. which is basically controlling an entire sport that we talk about a lot here, college football, hello, hello. CNN is a lot different than it was back then, uh, but it's still an incredibly popular mm-hmm. channel and is a huge moneymaker and is a big part of today's society. MTV, dead, not even really a thing anymore, unless you're into watching... What is her name? Chanel West, West something or other? Chanel West, 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 uh, West Coast. Uh, Rob Deerdeck. Yeah, Jody and Harrison brought up a, what was a great MTV show, Beavis and Butthead. And that's the thing now. Beavis and Butthead's not even on MTV. It's on Paramount Plus. But they had a new movie. Beavis that was and hilarious. Butthead Do America. You can watch it at 9 p.m. Central on, on August 4th. That's how long I had to go to find <laughs> something other then Ridiculousness, Catfish, and Teen Mom. I'll bet they're only playing that to promote that there's new episodes of Beavis and Butthead on, on Paramount. Paramount Plus. I'm guessing yeah. so. I mean, couldn't they could have had a spinoff from Beavis and Butthead, right? I mean, they the did. It was called of, Daria. Well, that's right. I thought the adventures of Cornholio might be interesting, too. <laughs> but they didn't go in that direction because they didn't ask me. Uh, all right. Halftime is brought to you by our friends at Pradco Fishing Lures, owners of Booyah Bait Company, made in Fort Smith, and they make the hottest swimming jig on the river right now, the Booyah Mobster, designed by the Muddy Water Mob locally in Arkansas and Oklahoma. you find it winning tournaments on Lake Dardanelle and Kerr Lake. So if you're, submish- if you're fishing submerged or matted grass, make sure you use a Booyah Mobster to reel them in. You'll find it at LearnNet.com and tackle stores everywhere. The Booyah Mobster. We're joined by Clay Henry from Halftime um, right after this. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith is your seltzer hub. They have High Noon, Bud Light, White Claws, and more. Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and get your favorite at 9390 Rogers Avenue. Now, back to the podcast.
listening to Halftime with Phil Elson, Maddie T, and Drew Barrett. Want to jump in the conversation with the guys? Call or text into Halftime at 877-377-6963. All right, before we went into the break there, I had made a little bit of a slip, but it's not a slip because it's also true. Uh, I said Clay Henry from Halftime is joining us, but that's also true. That is true. Because Clay Henry has been on Halftime for a while now with us, once a week. We're going to have him on for four hours a week once Halftime expands to three hours starting Monday. Not this Monday, but next Monday. Clay, you've already been a part of the team, but now I can just say he's from Halftime, and we all know yeah, it's we're, the truth. We're like, we're like brothers. Yes, Yes, yeah, brothers from a like different a mother in some ways, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can, you know, we we have more time to tell our stories. That's right. And and I can be long-winded like a you know, I can just just roll right through like a 12-minute segment and and Drew can make coffee. Yeah, or whatever Drew do, Drew does. You can go get coffee. me a Coca-Cola. Just open That's up a Coca-Cola, you know, the fifth one of the day. Yeah. How was the uh, How was the George Strait concert in Kansas City? Oh, I saw well, a great photo of you in a ten gallon hat. I was. Yeah, I've got a George Strait resist all that's about eighteen years old, and I got to to wear to the to the Frontier Days rodeo in Cheyenne, which was just finished uh, last night. Uh, I think a barrel racer from Wynn finished fourth, which is you know that's the big you know the granddaddy of them all, the Frontier Days rodeo, and so. My friend from Colorado is a season ticket holder, and he's a for real cowboy. And you know, we rode horses up in the high Alpine lakes in Colorado, and then then we went to see George, and that was my first exposure to George. I mean, I'd heard him, I knew who he was, but man, that that kind of flipped me to another level. But that concert uh, Saturday night was just as good as the one in Cheyenne, and that was terrific. He, I've, that's the fourth George Strait concert and he does about 35 songs and the guys he does an encore now uh with uh the music we were playing coming out of the break tom petty uh you wreck me and it's a tribute to the late tom petty who really got after country western music the you know the rock stuff he says it's not country music and george you know he's anti-nashville and he's never been the nashville you know guy and so he does that as a tribute and gives his band a chance to rock out and then george rocks out and he had you know chris stapleton who did a set uh after little big town came out and they rocked together played those guitars and got after it and you know uh fiddle solos you know all the stuff to you wreck me but it did it in a you know a country way with rock and I didn't know the history of all that, but he apparently has done that since he's done these big stadium tours, you know, as a as a tribute to the late Tom Petty, who I love. Has he ever performed a last dance for Mary Jane? I'd, I'd like to see George sing that one. <laughs> that might be good. Well, I'd pay for yeah. that. Um, he's got enough he's got enough stuff when you talk about sixty number ones, you know, it's like I tricked one of my daughters one time. We drove from Fayetteville to Bull Shows, which is about two hours, and I had the the fifty number one, the two CDs in all all fifty songs on the two CDs were number ones. And so I would ask her when song would I said, uh, "How you know? Do you think that was number one?" And she said yes about you know fifteen times out of maybe thirty that we played. We didn't make it all the way to fifty. And when we got got there, I said, "You were." 
15 for 15. All 15 of those were number ones. She was like, <laughs> really? I did it? I said, well, every song yeah. that I played was a number one, which kind of puts in perspective what George is. He's the nice, king. Nice big pool to choose from, that's for sure. Well, it's August 1st, Clay. That means uh, college football is, is not too far away. The Hogs will start practice later this week. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not too worried about how they're going to perform offensively. I think this is going to be a good offensive team. Defensively, it seems to be about can we get to the quarterback or at least force him out of the pocket a little bit more often than last year. Is it safe to say that's your overarching concern about Arkansas on the defensive side coming into camp? Well, you know, you'd like to win some one-on-one matchups so you don't have to blitz. Don't know how much of that they can do. And I think they've got some edge rushers. rushers we'll see. You know, they brought in some new guys. Dorian Gerald's going to give it a fling. That, that'll be something to watch over the first two or three weeks. You know, how is he? Does You know, he's not played football in a while, and how does he hold up? You know, all indications are he's doing great. Uh, but the Georgia Tech transfer, the LSU transfer, those guys, you know, can they rush? What are they going to do with Drew Sanders? I think they'll probably walk him up outside every once in a while from linebacker position because he's a great edge rusher. Got a great swim move that everybody raves about. Um, but it's, yeah, that's part of it. But here's the bottom line. Can you cover in the secondary so that you know that you can send extra people? Mm-hmm. So can those can the do you, do you have to have back off the safeties behind the corners? In other words, stack them, which they've they've had to do some. You know that's their umbrella coverage. You know, rush three, drop eight. Well, can they cover at cornerback? And do they have the depth? if they get an injury at cornerback and they can still cover. I think they're better at cornerback. Even though they lost Monteric, I I think that that's the key thing to watch is are they – they think they're better at corner with with Chavis and McLaughlin and, and you know, the, those guys weren't really in, you know, the picture last year. McLaughlin was LSU. But I, that's, the, to me, the big thing that would really – uh, pay dividends because then you you can you know if you can cover a little bit on the outside and don't give up the slant then you blitz and you'll have time to get there. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Clay, another thing that when you look at this defense uh, that that could be somewhat of a concern is is depth at the linebacker position. Now you've got good ones in Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders, but who's going to merge as that three or even that fourth guy? And because while we've seen Barrett and play sets with only two linebackers, but you talk about, you know, Drew Sanders possibly walk up, you're going to have to have a few more guys in the middle. Who's, who's somebody else that Hog fans are going to yeah, see a lot I, of? I really, I really think that they've, they've made a lot of progress there. And um, just remember the two true freshmen, one you didn't see in the spring, Manny Powell from Fayetteville High, that, you know, blew out his knee like almost as soon as he got there, like first game. Um, and then Crook from Duncanville is is just terrific. And those two guys, I think, will play. They will play in special teams for sure. But I think they can they can step in. And there's a couple of other guys that I saw in the spring that I thought were, you know, but they're they're deeper at linebacker than than they've been in a long time. And of course, they rotated three really good ones last year. But they, you know, they lost Grant Morgan and in uh, uh, Hayden Henry. And those guys, you know, they, they were good players. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, they, 
they could have been on all conference teams, and you know, Grant's been an All American. Um, I just think they've got more depth, and I, I think Bumper and 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 Drew Sanders are are really going to have a good year if they stay healthy. But I, what I saw of Drew Sanders from the first of the spring to the end of the spring, it was incredible the growth and the ability that he has in the open field to close. They haven't had that kind of speed at linebacker in, I mean, a long time. I mean, Jerry Franklin and, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's, they've had some other guys that made a lot of tackles, but they weren't so much at the line of scrimmage or on the sideline for short gains or run somebody down in the backfield in the flat. They just didn't have that kind of speed, but I think they do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Clay, practice starts on, on Friday, and and we know how it, how it goes. You know, the any media availability, you'll see twenty minutes normally of of just some position drills, and never actually get to see anything. But out of the stuff that we might get to see this first week, what's what what are some interesting things that uh, you're going to be looking yeah, at? Yeah. Well, you you want to check out those offensive linemen to see. You know, are they got bellies? I mean, do they do they have a belly like me? that they're carrying around, you know, like what kind of shaper, and I'm talking mainly those young ones that were overweight when they first got here but apparently have lost weight, and that would be guys like Devin Manuel and Tykeus Crawford and, um, you know, Marion Harris. Just see what those guys look like because apparently they all are trimmer, and I guess, you know, you want to see how Luke Jones moves around. You know, is he going to be that left tackle? I think he is from all indications. But, I mean, they won't give it to him. He'll have to scrimmage and make it through, you know, a tough camp, tough August. And for all all indication, it's going to be hot. We got a little bit of a reprieve the last few days, but that's – that's just a blip. It's going to get nasty pretty quick. In fact, it is today already. It is humid. A lot of, you know, moisture in the ground, and it's, you know, in the 90s today. And I think it's just going to keep getting hotter. Uh, Crawford, I know, I think big things are expected. They want to get him on, on the field this year. But there's only yeah, got, one you, open spot for a starter. And, you know, I know... Um, you know, uh, Dalton Wagner's had some injury issues at times. No question. He's now Dalton got his back uh, fixed in the offseason, had some minor surgery, and he's the best. I I sat down with him about ten days ago and did a. It'll be one of the the, the hog pods come out here uh, in the next few days, and then I talked with Cody Kennedy for almost two hours last week before I went to Kansas City, and so we kind of went through all that and i i think they feel like this is going to be a terrific offensive line and they've got good young players they're going to push the older players and um i mean the best thing is for a senior offensive line that that's and that's what they've got they've got a lot of older players and they got some really talented young players that they don't have to play but they may be good enough that they force them to play there's there may be some you know a guy in there that's a Frank Ragnow that's just re- ready to blossom in um, just freakish size and, and ability that uh, if they know the plays, and I'm talking about really know them, they may get them on the field. Ricky Strongberg has started since he got on campus. Is, is, is he the best offensive lineman that Arkansas has at center? Yeah, I mean, he, he is, uh, but... They've got good players all across there. Brady mm-hmm. Latham is a good player. Bo Limmer is, uh, you know, more physical. And, I mean, in Dalton Wagner, 
I mean, when they line up and run right, you see him move guys back. And he's got that nastiness, really the, the whole offensive line. But if you say, you know, who's, you know, who might be the best NFL prospect of the older players, there's a bunch of them that are going to be NFL prospects of the younger players because they're just so much bigger. But Ricky Stromberg is, is that. And he's so smart and he's just uh, clever in some of the things that he does. And he's got that, you know, he wears 51. Uh, his dad was a Dick Butkus fan, Chicago Bears, and that's why he wears 51. And I think he takes pride in that he plays center like a linebacker would, you know, just with some nastiness. Well, let's take the break. Clay's going to uh, finish out the show with us in the next segment. So let's uh, let's keep him on here and continue this conversation after the break. Hey, uh, next Friday, uh, I and Drew will be at the Babe Ruth League's Cal Ripken Majors 70 World Series in Branson. Um, this is going on in just a couple of days, August 4th through the 13th. The Cal Ripken Majors 70 World Series happens in Branson. Some of the best players around the world. Cal Ripken World Series is a fierce and powerful competition that is exhilarating to watch. And one of the great baseball tournaments in the country that is in Branson, August 4th through 13th, will be there for the championship day on August the 12th. You can go to uh, Babe Ruth baseball.com for more information this is an international tournament teams from mexico japan canada korea and the u.s and should be a ton of fun looking forward to getting there wrapping halftime up with clay henry this is for the men who never settle the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge Mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Favorite streaming platform is back for Arkansas Athletics. Who out here wants to uh, subscribe to Flow Sports again for $29.99 per month and then cancel your subscription once Arkansas basketball makes it back from the European Tour? Four games, August 9th, 11th, 13th, 15th. None of the games will start any later than 8.30 locally, p.m. Uh, and you can watch it on flowhoops.com for 30 bucks. Clay, you spending money to watch Arkansas basketball in Europe? Well, probably not. I don't know if I will either. I think it's a great thing for the team to do. Um, but I don't think I'll be spending the money on it. I want to watch him in person. I want to watch him in practice. I want to watch him in October getting ready for, uh, for the season. I think that uh, yep. this team sounds like it'll be a ton of fun to watch. What do you think a European tour does, though, for them? Because traveling together is always usually a good thing for teams. Bonding. Yeah. Uh, chemistry. I think that it's, you know, the, the more they can get into, you know, terminology and game situations, you, you see things. Um, I don't. I don't think they're going to come out of their complete team, but it's just it gives them a reason to have practices too. Because if you're going on those those tours, then the NCAA lets you have so many practice days where you can just do anything, and that's better than uh, individual drills. You know, you can have the team together. It's 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 great. They they'll do a lot of experimenting, but it's uh, I think it's it's more okay. It's a recruiting tool. 
okay, we're going to go to Europe, guys. It's a, it's a time for you to travel and get used to airplanes and all of that. But it, it's uh, – and you get to see how players react to coaching. You know, it's uh, game situation, calling plays, running them. It's uh, – and you see who doesn't uh, – you know, doesn't act right if they don't get to play what they think their minutes. You can kind of start working through that, and there's always some of that because they all think they want they should be playing. They wouldn't have transferred here if they thought they were going to be on the bench. So now they'll probably play, you know, just about everybody on these deals. But it's, I think it's a lot of fun, though. I think that's the bottom line. We're going to make a trip, and we're going to go see some things that never thought you would, and that's part of it. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get into more basketball. Uh, I think in a in a in a little bit yeah, of time. I'm going to go by there and use my Hog Plus Trump card and, and <laughs> uh, you know and and uh, get to see some practice. And I think I'm going to get to see some football practices. You have one of those things. Have they have they given you one of the uh, one of the one of the key fobs that gets you into buildings, or do you still have to wait there, text somebody like I do, and wait for someone to let you in? They haven't given me any kind of pass thing, but uh, and they probably won't. I don't. I wouldn't think I need that. Um, I don't want when something goes missing, they start looking for me. <laughs> good point. Yeah, Less you, responsibility, good thing. I do have a lot of keys, and I need to, you know, the, the most important guy in the building is the guy with the most keys in the old days, you know, for the fobs, you know, the key for this door, key for that. And I've got way too many keys on my keychain, and I, I don't know. I've got to go start eliminating. I think there may be from keys to old houses drew who, who has the most keys at the espn arkansas headquarters um i'm guessing it's tommy but i feel like i could you know put up a you got quite a lot of there i have no idea what half of them do um they're probably to people's houses but i've got a lot of, i got a lot of keys but not really a lot of doors open with them don't right. don't know where they go to that's my problem I, there's <laughs> about 10 keys i don't know what what they go I mean, and I, maybe it's to a daughter's house or something. I think that's probably what some of them are. I got to figure out what they are. I still have my key set from Raywinder Field Clay oh, that, that Valentine oh. handed me that would let you in. You know, I, I didn't have a I didn't have a skeleton key to the ballpark, but I had a key to every other piece of the ballpark, and that was. Uh, that's like the I, I had to give them my keys back after I left the Travelers from Dickie Stevens Park. I was hoping they didn't ask for it and that I could sneak into games, but they just let me in anyway. They can't. They can't keep you out, Phil. Well, they could if they wanted to. They really. I guess they could, but they don't. No, they're not going to. No, well, I, I mean it's uh, you. Well, I, there may be a day when everybody there's nobody left that knows who you are, but. Right now, I figure there still are people that when you walk through the gates, they're going to go, yeah, there's our, there's our dude. There's that guy that doesn't talk about us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it basically is what it comes down now, to. I think I've told you this before, but you know I'm a stockholder? I am too. Got I have five four, shares of I have, stock. I have wow. four shares. Yeah. Yeah, they sold in 1959. They sold shares of stock in 1959 to buy the New Orleans franchise mm -hmm. and move it to Little Rock. That's still the ownership structure. And so one of the first things I asked Bill Valentine when I started working for him, uh, you got to give me some stock. Keep in mind, I was making like $15,500 before taxes. Mm -hmm. So $25 to buy five shares of stock wasn't like cheap for me, but I still own it. I don't get yeah, any profits. I've got it I framed on the wall in my, my study. It's the, about the... <laughs> 
there aren't very many things up on the wall that's not fishing or hunting related, but that's up on the wall. I still couldn't vote myself a raise when I worked there. It's like, what kind of ownership <laughs> structure is that? Give me a break. All right, we're at the end of the show. Clay, it's good to have you on, man. Looking forward to, uh, to uh, oh, moving to three hours next week. Yeah, should be yeah. a great time. Okay, thank you all. You got Thanks it. Guy. Clay Henry, uh, we'll have him on later this week, too, on Wednesday. Drew, Maddie, appreciate you guys. Uh, we uh, we got to bust our butts to make this show just as entertaining as it's ever been, but add another five hours next week. We better start oh, doing be our fun. homework today. It'll be fun. I, th- I think we're, we're, we are... We have great chemistry, great crew here. We're, we're going to knock it out of the park. I'm not worried. Right. I'm bursting with enthusiasm. As always, we all are bursting. For Maddie and Drew, I'm Phil. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Now get up, get out, and get better. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.